Our podcast with me, Ross Noble, celebrated randomist, <laughs> and me dear colleague. Oh, for fuck's sake, I don't even know who I am now. <laughs> it's the girl, man. How are you, girl? I'm all right, Roscoe. How's yourself? Doing well, yeah. I'm, of course, not Ross Noble. No, um, you're Roscoe, not so noble. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm not so noble. You're quite correct. Roscoe Ignoble. Yeah, I've just realised that we're not actually doing stitches this week, so that uh, intro is uh, redundant yeah. in many respects. Um, so, a bit anyway. like myself. Yes, yes. <laughs> we are redundant. What's that? That's uh, Vic and Bob, isn't it? They do that. Who is it? No, it wasn't Vic and Bob. It was. They've got two characters and they're they're redundant. That's their their kind of catchphrase, and they do this your life. Oh, uh, the stop. Yeah, Barry, aye, the Barry, aye, that's it. Barry stop, and Davey so. Stott. Ah, that's I, right, I that's right. I actually thought you meant uh, Pat and Dave Arrowsmith there. Ah, okay, the, okay. The men that wear bras. Yeah, yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, again, that's what make loads of sense to the Americans. Ah, oh, well, fuck them. <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, really. I, I don't really mean that, of course. We, we, we insanely love our American listeners, so that's... Uh, that's, that's why we're not allowed to enter the country anymore. <laughs> I know. Because of us and our insane <laughs> loving. <laughs> so, Gil, <coughs> as you know, I've not managed to see a great deal of films this week with the wee chat before we before we started. Yeah. Um. Well, say chat. I basically wept down the phone to you. <laughs> yeah. Um. <coughs> so, have you managed to watch anything extra this week? Uh, I've actually. <laughs> I've been uh, pre-preparing for the next two weeks that we're doing because we're finally getting round to found footage, and I have watched Cannibal Holocaust Fantastic. and uh, the Last Exorcism. Great. For my Great. sins. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, man. Okay, well, we'll, we'll discuss that uh, <coughs> at a later date in a couple of weeks. So that's cool. Um, on Star yeah. Trek Into Darkness. Oh, did you go and see it? What did you think? Uh, it's all right, but it's it's a bit it's a bit not all right as well. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a difficult film not to spoiler, right? Because the thing that everybody really wanted, uh huh, it might be true, yeah, but it might not. But it might not I, work well. I don't know what you're meaning. Uh, let's just say it's the second Star Star Trek film in a series. Right. Okay. Okay. And the second Star Trek film from a from the original series, everybody a lot, had a lot of fondness for. So is that the Wrath of Khan or? Yep. Right. One. Right. Okay. With Ricardo Montalban. There we go. And this one has a. Uh, Benedict <laughs> come in your snatch as uh, John Harrison. Do you know I really like um, 
I really like Benedict Cumberbatch. So did I, but I just... Not necessarily in this, I've not seen him in this, but I, I really liked him in Sherlock, I thought he was great. Yeah, he's he is a good actor, but I'm just not sure about this film, to be honest. I didn't see it in 3D. Okay. Maybe it's maybe it's better in 3D. It's re- rarely a film has improved to that that extent by 3D, I'd imagine. So, oh, that's a pity, Gil, because I thought that. <coughs> yeah, I know you're a big a big Star Trek <laughs> a big Star Trek fan, so that's a pity. We should point out to people that you've got a cold. <coughs> I've got a cold in the middle of bloody May. How does that happen? I know you sound, of, you sound like a crack addict. I know. You What's sound happening like you, with that? You sound like you should be on the wire asking people for five bucks. Hey, buddy, can you spare five bucks? <laughs> that was that was awful. I can be real pretty well. for you. <laughs> I can be real pretty for you. <laughs> That's my Welsh. That's not very good either, is it? Do you want to see me take a leak? <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> I wasn't even doing an accent there. Oh, do you know? Do you know? Gil, remember last week we were talking about uh, getting boned up. Yep. Well, this week I'm getting pumped. <laughs> <laughs> Because how, I, how pumped have you been this week? <laughs> well, very pumped, as you know. Um, but I uh, have bought a set of weights. So it's a, a week of heavy pumping for you then? <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> heavy pumpage on the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's... Because oh, you're, you're starting to look a wee bit trim. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> that's just because you're a wee picture on the screen. Yeah, it's an old picture. <laughs> yeah, oh well. Yeah, we're not the best at exercise, us two, are we? Well, certainly not. Um, Occasionally walk to the off-licence. <laughs> not okay. if it can be helped, though. Exactly, exactly. Dial a booze. Um, <coughs> so, has, has there been anything else been happening that's been particularly exciting for you, Gil? Uh, just... A lot of the guitar course stuff. Oh, yeah, that's was... right. Uh-huh. So you've been yeah. doing a beginner's guitar course. Yeah, even though I'm not technically a beginner, mm-hmm. I, I'd like to... Well, it's a pretty good idea, just completely starting from scratch and getting yeah. all the basics that you've missed out on from years of playing in bands and songwriting and then picking up the basics. Yeah, and getting out your bad habits. Yeah, absolutely. You get into so many bad habits with these things, so that's really cool. The only one that really annoys me is the one that you use different fingers to play a G. Uh, right. uh, they don't want me to use my index finger for a G. No. And I'm like, fuck you, man. <laughs> I'm using my index finger. Cool. Did you manage to watch any? Oh no, that as you've said, Cannibal Holocaust and. Uh... And Last Exorcism. Yeah, I'm looking uh, forward to the found footage week. That should be really cool. Found found footage fortnight. Yes, it's two weeks, and then we've also got Shark Week with with our dear friend Thomas Hughes coming up soon as well. At some point, yeah. Soon, soonish. Soonish. It's, uh... Soonish since January, I think. Oh, well, there we go. We'll get round to it. We haven't even decided what films, but I think he's watched just about every film that's ever watched featured a shark. Every film that has shark in the title. Yeah. He's got, he sent me one through the post that's got, like, Brooke Hogan in it from TNA Wrestling, so that's uh, bizarre. It's better than having Hulk Hogan from Hulk Hogan's sex tape in it. <laughs> Hulk Hogan from Suburban Commando. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've you've got to think that there's something 
a little bit unusual when you go around to your friend's house to have sex with his wife and he's not that fussed. Yeah. <laughs> then all of a sudden, oh, they had a camera hidden. Aye. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you didn't think I was going to let you fuck my wife for nothing, did you? Exactly. Exactly, dude. So, um, okay, so this week we are discussing, um, well, we've not set We've only set two of the films, Barbarian Sound Studio and um, All Superheroes Must Die. And the third film to be decided... By you? By me at some point in the future, so that's cool. Um, And we're also very privileged to be joined um, by another special guest, Sinecu Entrance. And they're now in the top ten, I believe, is that right? Or is it the top fifteen? In the the top ten. The top five vote is on as we speak. Ah, so um for so that's Wolf Cop. Uh, so that's Wolf Cop movie. And you can vote for them at Cinecool. We'll give more details later on. Um but I think that's over I think it's the second June that the the voting finishes. It is, yep. So cool. So that'll be that'll be quite exciting. Um so we're gonna probably probably take a short break, uh, and I should say as well that we're we're planning to get uh, Jillian's Just Right, uh, the the people behind Jillian's Just Right, on at some point in the future. Um, yeah. We've discussed that with them um, because that was another great favourite hours, and it's unfortunate that they uh, didn't make the final fifteen. Um, because they they made the final fifteen, but they didn't make the final, make the final 10. ten. Sure. I mean, they had a, the the thing about their one was that it had a great, a great idea, but wasn't necessarily well realised in the in the the trailer. And um, I thought it was I thought it looked really really promising though after after that. Yeah, um, the more you looked into it, the more yeah yeah absolutely. It. The more intri- that one, whereas Wolf Cop is, <laughs> it's what it says on the tin. Yep. Which you is, like you like wolves. Do, you like do you like cop movies. <laughs> Yes and yes, tick two boxes. Yeah, so that's cool. Um, and I believe uh, she wolf for the wolf, she wolf of the woods has wrapped as well. It has, yep. So that's really exciting. So they're into um, the editing process now. So Gil Rokotansky is going to be on IMDb. Yeah, maybe. I don't, that... I don't know. Does yeah, that, you will does, be. Does that happen? Yeah, man, definitely. Fuck's sake. I know. Imagine me with an IMDb page. I know. You need to upload a professional picture. Uh, no, because uh, I had gone on to somebody's page one time and there wasn't a picture. And I thought, I've got a picture, I'll just upload a picture. Uh-huh. Apparently they, they charge you oh, per, no. per picture and it's not cheap. <laughs> it's, it's not cheap at all. I think it was like $100. And it like has to this... be added by an agent. Right, okay. Well, I can be your agent. <laughs> Gil, I got a great job for you. <laughs> so that's cool. Um, okay, so we'll take a short break and then we'll be back to discuss Barbarian Sound Studio, Gil, or... Barbarian Sound Studio, since it's the only film you've seen. Yep, we'll be back after this. 
This is Jamie from Devour the Podcast. Do you enjoy horror commentary with straightforward honesty? Oh my god, fuck this movie. Fuck this movie so hard. Oh my goodness, you know, I, halfway through this movie I was just like, let's get this thing going. Fuck this movie. <laughs> Humor and an obvious passion for the genre. I like the cut of your jib. The ceiling, Grandma. Don't make me get out the broom. Oh, your tears are like wine. They used to call that the vapors. Cupcakes are kind of the Schindler's list of desserts. It's it's a, a pure good. I love the idea of up-and-coming horror directors taking on the found footage genre. I really, really like that idea. And that's really the worst thing you can commit as far as filmmaking is concerned, is making a film that's just average. Well, that doesn't really inspire any kind of exactly. discussion, whether it's, you know, to rip it apart or, or praise it. Then you should spend time with David and me. And Bo. As we discuss horror films from old classics. Deep Red. Empire of the Ants. Lisa and the Devil. The Baby. The Toxic Avenger. To new favorites. Absentia. Cabin in the Woods. The Loved Ones. Shadow of Death. VHS. The Woman. Check us out on iTunes or at Devour the Pod. Podcast.blogspot.com. Devour the Podcast is a proud member of the Horrorphilia Podcasting Network. Okay, guys, and we're back to discuss Barbarian Sound Studio. Um, so, this is directed by Peter Strickland um, and stars uh, Toby Jones as Gilderoy. Um, the voice of Dobby the House Elf. Really? Yep. Wow, there we go. Now, did he ever play? Who else? Who else would be know? Would be known from? Did he ever play Capote at all? Uh, or am I thinking the wrong person here? He he's played uh, Hitchcock. Ah, right. Okay, cool. He's cool. also in Captain America. As uh-huh. oh, right enough, of course, yeah. As yeah. what's his face? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Not uh-huh. even Enom or oh, what's his name again? Sure. But anyway, he's the big bad biologist guy. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm in Zoma. Yep. Um, so, cool. Uh, so, uh, also stars Antonio Mancini as uh, the director, uh, Santini. Um, Cosimo Fusco as Francesco Caraggio. Is that right? The producer. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I've, I've not got a list of the names of the female actresses that were that were in it. The only person I've got listed is Sylvia, who I don't know. Fatma Mohammed was Sylvia. I don't I, the only... that the secretary? I think so, yeah, yeah. I think so. He, so that... he was lovely. <laughs> cool. Um And so... she was really mean. Yeah. I like that. I can imagine when she lets her hair down she's just Stay there. Stay, stay away from her. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, I can imagine that she like <laughs> If you went for a night out with her and she let her hair down, you would wake up the next morning in a different country, wearing entirely different clothes and with nothing in your wallet and just a little note <laughs> left beside yep. you saying, you're pathetic. Ah! Right, Gil. That's, realm, that's into the realms of fantasy now. And that's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's actually from the realms of reality, I think. Uh, oh, right. Wow, cool. just a memory from the 90s. Yeah. So, um, in the 1970s, a British sound technician is brought to Italy to work on the sound effects <coughs> for a gruesome horror film. His nightmarish task slowly takes over his psyche, driving him to confront, confront his own past. Barbarian Sound Studio is many things, an anti-horror film, 
a stylistic tour de force and a dream of cinema. As such, it offers a kind of pleasure that is rare in films while recreating in a highly original way the pleasures of Italian horror cinema. In an entirely original way, because you don't see anything. Yeah, you don't. You don't. It's, and, it's um, a beautiful, beautiful film. So, I mean, the the film takes place. It's, uh, everything is in everything about this film is in the sound effects and the way that the description of things. There's a, a voice comes over the tannoy and describes the scene that they're in the the process of dubbing, and then you see them. Uh, recreating that sound effect or recreating uh, the the screaming sounds or the dialogue. <laughs> yeah, so... he, he's a Foley artist. Oh, sure. That's... Well, uh, he, we he's go. also brought on for sound design as so well. The, so he's been brought in, he's been brought over, he's a uh, quite a restrained uh, cheese and ham sandwich. Still uh, lives with his mum. Still lives with his mum type um, British uh, filmmaker and, and uh, he his work has tended to be in children's children's uh, programs uh, for example he's makes the sound of a UFO using a light bulb and oh that was beautiful I really liked yeah, that so that was really cool so I mean obviously that what's being set up is well Santini the director Santini is supposed to be able to see that see this man as being some kind of magician that's able to that's able to do that. But throughout the film, there's always there's always a question as to why has Santini actually brought him over, um, and that's that's almost left unresolved. I don't know if perhaps the the UFO scene that kind of resolves it a wee bit. Um, mm. But up to that point, you're still certainly wondering why have you picked this man whose experience is very much in um, kind of scenic uh, programs and the, the the film, for example, is called the Equestrian Vortex. Yeah, now, I, he, I loved that. I heard it was an I've heard it was about animals. Yeah, yeah, sure. So that's he has come over expecting it to be um, about horses, and it's uh, it's not. <laughs> She's a horse rider. She's not on a horse now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, superbine. So um, this one, oh, it's it's very. I mean, it's a great film. It's fantastic. It's um, as well. Yeah, as and I think there's. I think it's the kind of thing that requires multiple viewings to actually get what what is being said in the film. Um, it it brings to mind people like Argento's work and uh and Lucio Fulci and the, the type of work that they're in the habit of doing. Yeah. Um and it seems and it's obviously it certainly seems to be uh in that kind of style of the, the type of the type of films that are being discussed. So the scenes that are being described are things like a a witch being stabbed by a priest, a dangerously sexually aroused goblin. Yeah. Um Prowling the halls, trying to trying to uh, attack a woman. Um, what other things? There's there's, uh, there's, there's the, a, w- a witch being boiled. Yep. And then there's the the same witch being drowned. And the red and, hot poker and the red, as well. Red hot poker in the vagina. Yeah. Which, which is, is probably all... the worst place to get a red hot poker, really. I would say. Yeah. Well. I'd... I don't know, right into the, <laughs> through the eyeball into the brain. Yeah, 
yeah. you know, I, I, I think if somebody put a red hot poker in my vagina, I'd survive that, although in pain. If they stabbed me in the brain with a red hot poker, I might not be coming back. So, yeah, um, I, I was quite interested. This film, what it was trying to say, and I was quite interested in seeing whether it was about the power of these these type of works to influence people to act in certain ways um and i don't know if that's i don't know if that's what they're trying to get at but in that sense it kind of brought to mind uh, benny's video you know, is it michael haneke how do you pronounce that yeah. the director of funny games anyway yeah. and in, in the original well he did a film called Benny's Video, um, that's got uh, the the basically involves this fourteen year old kid getting so desensitised to the type of films, and it actually features bits of Toxie, uh, interestingly enough, <laughs> um, uh, who gets so desensitised to these kind of images that he then goes and commits a a murder. Um, so I, I, I kind of brought that to mind, and the the kind of comments that, that it was making, and I mean. His discomfort, uh, T- Toby Jones's character, uh, Gilderoy's uh, yep. character throughout this, his um, his discomfort with the situation is so clear, and it's incredibly well acted because he f- he is very much a fish out of water. He's uh, in terms of the Italian, uh, the way of doing things in Italy and, and the language. Yeah, well, absolutely, that's it. Um, so he's straight away a fish out of water in that sense. But he also doesn't know how how to kind of get paid for his work and um, things like that. So it's, uh, it's it's very claustrophobic in that sense because very little of it actually happens with out with the confines of the studio. Actually, I, I'm not sure if any of it really uh, happens out with the confines of the the studio. It leaves that a little bit ambiguous at the end as to where, as to where he's living oh yeah. yeah of course sure because you you think the scenes have taken place outside uh-huh. and then at the end of the film the place where he's living is in the studio but i'm not sure if that's supposed to be yep. the I, I got the idea that maybe no matter where he is mm-hmm. when he feels that he's away from the studio uh-huh. he's not because yep. of what's gone on so he hasn't actually gone through a door into the studio. Yep. It's a psychological ending, I think. And it's a very yeah. ambiguous ending. And, you know, we, we can't really... It's 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 not even a film that you can spoil, because it is... No. It's so open to interpretation. Yep. And the interesting thing is that he's also recorded sounds from home that he then plays back to himself to relax. Yep. So things like... He the clock on the mantle clock, uh, various other things like that, and he keeps referring to these letters back from his mother as being... With the chef, the chef chaffs? Yeah, 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 that have have uh, settled in his shed. Yep. And then there's a, the the letter where they've they've all been killed, yep. probably there's by no... the magpies. Yep, and there's no hope. And that's that's just I think that kind of, if anything, leads up to what you could term as like a psychological break for the character is that yep. letter. Yep. Is that letter keeps keeps being referred to after. Yep. yep. It's a. I I just put it on and I I wasn't sure 
what to make of it because I hadn't bothered reading anything up on it because you'd been saying for ages, oh, I just really want to watch this film. Aye, so aye. when I put it on, I had no expectations for it at all. And it just starts off so slowly that I was like, ah, this is my pacing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this yep. is what I like. And I, yep. I, I loved the fact that there's, there's no gore. There's not even... No, There's not, not even a drop of blood in this no, film. You're right. You're right. All all the horror is happening off screen. It is. And it is ironically, good. off screen on another screen. Yep. And the the great thing is, it starts off rather than having credits for this film, it starts off with the credits for uh, the Equestrian Vortex yep. with the Italian. Uh, with the kind of goblin-esque score, and that, again, that was a British band, a band called uh, Broadcast that yep. did that. But it's very much in the style of, in the style of the goblin scores um, that from the period, um, and the imagery in that is great as well. It's very cool. And Broadcast but, aren't even that old a band. I've never heard of them. Who are they? Uh, well, I wasn't even sure if they were still together because I, I heard some stuff off their first album, but that must be right. about ten about ten years ago. Right, okay. And then they just kinda one of these bands that you just don't really keep up with. <coughs> sure. And then when I was watching the credits at the end of this, because I was expecting it to be like a name like Goblin. Yep. yep. But then when broadcast came I was like Crap. I, yep. I know who that band is. Yeah. And again a, a another slight kind of tangent girl, um People uh, like their tangents. Yeah, sure, but yeah. his resemblance to Lucio Fulci yeah. and the way that Lucio Fulci's been described in terms of his actions towards female uh, cast members, for example, in the uh, the bonus content for, I think it's House by the Cemetery, uh, Catherine McCall is talking about um, how he seemed to take delight in torturing her, yeah. and he seemed to... that He was... Uh, quite clearly uh, becoming aroused by it and obviously we get to a point where in, in this film where, where the character snaps as we've, as we've alluded to in the synopsis um, and and that's yeah it just it reminded me so much of, of, of that character as described uh, yeah. so it's quite, I know it's total random tangent it's not that random a tangent considering Brought to mind that. Well, it's a Jalo film that they're making. Well, absolutely, absolutely. Which actually uh, reminds me, uh, just another random tangent. Well, I, since people... I don't know if it's actually a Jalo because it is. It's a Jalo film. I'm pretty sure it even is. Yeah. Is I, th- said. I think like I don't. I don't know the the kind of the, the definite terms for these things, but Jalo to me suggest is kind of more the masked stranger. Who's uh who's picking people off one by one? That's the the nightmarish witch. Sure. Because okay. it's I I thought from the bits that you pick up from this film uh-huh. that it was a it was like so a boarding the... school uh-huh. or something like that where uh-huh. there was this uh so... mis- mysterious thing. Yep. To me, it seemed like the next step, like your your kind of Dario Gento, Suspiria type stuff but I mean I don't know again I, I don't know the, the terminology but yeah splat and hails yep splat and hails um, but yeah, ran- yeah random tangent is that uh, last night Astron 6 launched an Indiegogo campaign really because Adam Brooks and Matthew Kennedy 
are making a Jalo film. Wow. And they're looking to raise uh, $16,000. Fantastic. I think it is. If you donate $1, I think you get nothing but disdain. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> five five dollars you you get a kind of whatever. Uh-huh. Uh twenty dollars you get a tweet. Alright, okay. Seventy five dollars you get a fireman or a gore blade t shirt and right. a tweet. Ninety dollars right. you get a a screen printed Astron six t shirt. Okay. Five thousand dollars you're an associate producer. Okay. But yeah, you can find all that out on like the Astron Six Facebook page and cool. on their Twitter account. Uh-huh. And there's a a little video where they they just kind of describe it because apparently they they started making the film a year ago. They've half made it, and then they got a grant to finish it and decided, well, if we can get more money through this sort of campaign, we'll just yep. go back to the start and and just do everything bigger and better so cool. the more money they get the bigger a chance is that they will they will look to bring in a name cool um, but yeah another tangent <laughs> yeah no great tangent um another tangent i'm gonna bring in now because we've been meaning to to say about this for a while but another chance um is uh, our friend jason figgis oh his who, kickstarter yeah uh jason figgis directed uh, the film railway children um, which we reviewed way, way back, um, probably around the same time as we reviewed uh, Shadow of Death, I think, around about that same time. Yeah. So Jason is doing a film called The Ecstasy of Isabel Mann, and it's described as a violent teen vampire feature film uh, from a world-winning production company, October 11 Productions. So... He's he's basically looking. I think the film is mostly finished, but this is this is to do a lot of uh, the post production work for yeah. it. Um, the film's been shot in full HD, um, so just trying to trying to uh, perfect the the process presumably. Um, so the the deals are available. If you do a search for the ecstasy of Isabel Mann, uh, you can either contribute or you can go to the jail. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll be giving my money to anything that says a violent teen anything, to be honest. Well, maybe it means it's a violent film, not that it's a violent Yeah, yeah, it's... <laughs> Yeah, I'm only kidding. Um, so, no, uh, it's a, a really good cause, and we we dig Jason Figgis' work, so yep. it's really... And or maybe the... it's a violent, violent teen. <laughs> well, the the girl from Ellen Mullen was in... Uh, was in Railway Children as well and I think there's a few returning characters well not returning characters but returning cast members yep. from Railway Children that have been carried over into that so Jason I believe the reason that he does these kind of films is because he works or he's certainly involved with a kind of drama school in Ireland yep. um, so he's working with these kids on a kind of daily basis so they're almost doing this as a learning process um, Which and is I, a, that's, that's a great learning process. Such a cool idea to then be able to say, "Well, I have been in these two films," yep. which is uh, it's fantastic. So Jason's work uh, is really, really good, and um, it's worth uh, worth checking out if you've got time. He's done like a whole video and stuff, so you can check it out. Okay, um, so, so we're gonna more, take a short. Is that as finished with Barbarian 
sound studio then? No, no, no. Come back. We'll come back. Come away in. <laughs> away in. I, I thought we'd had our tea. You've had your tea. Right. No, I, I, uh, I just really think that a lot of the people that like this, this show, uh-huh. tend to have the same sort of sense of horror as we do. Sure. I, I think they would like the, the downbeat, uh-huh. style of this film. It's not a. Don't put it on a Saturday afternoon if you're looking for something entertaining to watch. Yeah. You know, yeah. put it on on a Wednesday night when. You want to watch something that's just really, really nice before you go to your bed. At the same time, there are some comic moments throughout it as well, yeah. and I think his his Britishness uh, causes a great deal of kind of conf- kind of amusement as well, and the just uh, just jarring so much with the with the Italian studio culture. Yeah, it it's quite good at pointing out the the kind of cultural differences. Yeah, without doubt, man. Without Particularly doubt. with it being in the seventies, uh-huh. where you know it's uh, do you not even do handshakes uh-huh. or a hug or a kiss? <laughs> then the guy shakes his hand, gives him a hug, and kisses him in the cheek. Yep. And he's just yep. standing, looking <laughs> kind of lost. Yep. Oh, what were the two Foley guys called? Was it? Uh, oh, was it Matt? Ma- Ma- I don't remember now. They both had the same name. Yeah, they did. They did. That was really, they were really good comic relief as well. Yeah. And they both they both looked uber creepy as well. I love the fact they never speak. Yeah. Throughout the entire film. <laughs> the great great part is when they're standing on the tile floor wearing high heels. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was great. <laughs> so. so yeah. It was so funny it nearly killed you there. Just yeah. remembering it. Highly recommended. The soundtrack's great. The film's great. It looks amazing. Um acting throughout it's phenomenal a uh, really good fun film but uh well it's a, gr- a well a well-made film an incredibly well-made film and it's uh it's clearly got a lot to say but i'll i'm not entirely sure what it wants to say i think it's the kind of film where you can go back and uh pick watch it a few times here. and pick up the, yeah pick up different things every time because i mean he comes back and he starts talking italian and poorly dubbed italian for for bits of it as well, uh, which is brilliant. Uh, just making reference to to those films as what, well. Did any of that happen? Exactly. Well, that's yeah. it. That's it. That's it. It has the the plot devices of a Fulci film, which is basically this is happening. Now this is happening. There's nothing that links the two. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Barbarian Sound Studio by Peter Strickland. Check it out. Yeah. Um, okay, guys, we're going to have a short break and then we'll be back with the good people from Wolf Cop. Take a journey with the Phantom Eric as he explores the last 100 years of horror. 100 films to be explored, each one with the related themes, actors, and directors that made the last century of horror cinema so great. Travel the world from Germany to Scandinavia. Italy to France, North America and everywhere in between, with no stone left unturned. The zombies are locked up, the vampires are asleep, and the prowlers have slain their last group of campers for the night. So take the hand of the Phantom American Lester Reaper, as this is one time travel experience you won't want to miss. Okay, guys, and we're back. 
Um, it's a great privilege to be joined uh, with the writer and director of Wolf Cop, Lowell Dean. Lowell, uh, welcome to Gavin Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast. Thanks, guys. Glad to be here. Well, it's it's an absolute pleasure to have you here because we've been following the Cineku thing for months now. Yeah, no, I know. I've seen you guys. Uh, we've been interacting a little bit online, so it's uh, surreal to talk to you now. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it's a bit odd because we were initially following Wolf Cop and Jillian's Just Right, but oh. sadly they uh, they're no longer in the competition. I think they they made it to the top fifteen. But I was splitting all my votes. Well, now we'll steal them all, I hope. Yeah, you just got 74. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, no, I was a fan too of Jillian. Uh, I I thought it was a great project. Yeah, you guys swapped t-shirts, I believe, as well. Is that right? Well, uh, we sent them a t-shirt, but we're still waiting on our Jillian t-shirt. So uh, we we should, uh, you know, harass them a bit. I don't know where it is. Yeah, definitely, definitely. (laughs) So, yeah, we should probably uh, start off by asking you a bit about Wolf Cop. I know you've you've probably told people where it came from loads, but just for anyone that hasn't been on Cineku, shame on okay. them. <laughs> yeah, Wolf Cop is uh, basically, uh, the idea came about, I was developing what I thought was uh, an interesting idea of a cop movie, and then... I couldn't stop getting the idea of a, a werewolf movie out of my head, too. So I just decided to smash them together into one script. And it was kind of a weird start, but I just couldn't stop thinking about that idea of a, of a werewolf in a cop uniform. And it was actually a really easy script to write. It uh, it flowed pretty naturally. And it, it looks really, really good. I love all the trailers. But I, I think that the trailers kind of hide something as well. I think there's a bit of a darker element to it. Oh, there definitely is. Like, uh, we, uh, one thing that in a way I, I think may have worked to our disadvantage or advantage is, uh, when we decided to make our concept trailer, it was before I even knew about Cineku. So I decided if I'm going to make a trailer for Wolf Cop, it is such a arguably stupid idea. <laughs> I need to prove we can make it cool, you know? So, Rather than do a traditional trailer where you see all these scenes and, uh, you know, talk about the whole story of the film, I said, you know what, let's just make that damn first cool scene where he shows up, and if by the end of the trailer people are like, that's badass, then we did our job right. So that was our focus, and uh, in a way I'm like, oh, now, you know, after you go through the whole Cineco experience, I wish I wish a little bit I had, uh, you know, maybe done more of a story trailer, but uh, I'm very happy with the script, and I guess... It's going to be, do you like the character? And then hopefully a good story uh, will be the nice surprise. Yeah, I, I think it, it just looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, oh, it will be. It'll be absurd. So how how long ago was it that you started working on it? Uh, I think I had the idea for Wolf Cop about two years ago. And uh, so I, I kind of was tinkering away on my own time working on the script. And uh, I had finished a first draft and... There's a bunch of local filmmakers here called uh, in Regina, Saskatchewan, called Echolands. And they're kind of, uh, I had been partnering with them and done a short film and a music video. And they they were ready to do a feature. And they were like, we want to do a feature. We want to put something together. And uh, they asked if I had any ideas. And I said, well, I'm working on a script called Wolf Cop. And they started laughing and said, let's <laughs> do it. So it was great. They're, they're a great team. And they're 
they're very clever and they're very smart at pulling productions together, especially at an indie level. Yeah. So they rallied support behind us. Uh, Emerson Ziffel, my good friend, the effects artist, came on board right away and we came up with the look of the werewolf and we were off to the races. We shot a trailer. I think that's one thing that really stands out about Wolf Cop is the effects. Yeah. Because even though that concept trailer is just a a low budget, just here's here's our idea, it's like you've got the fully formed effect there and basically nothing could change between that and full production. I know, it's kind of scary. We, we, I really felt like we were putting our neck on the line when we did the trailer because it's like, this is, is either going to begin or end with the trailer because we're, you know, we're not hiding behind anything. We're literally showing the wolf cop and saying, this is what we will deliver. So I felt we had to do that, though, or else people would say, well, you know, if we just had him hiding in the shadows the whole trailer, they might say, this is going to look stupid. This is going to look silly, you know? Yeah, at least when you do get to see him, you go, well, yeah, this isn't like any werewolf I've ever really seen. No, we're, we love practical effects, and... Uh, I love retro. I, I definitely want to give the movie an 80s, 90s, 70s vibe. So I'm uh, heavily, I've said it a million times, I love American Werewolf in London. I love movies like Back to the Future, you know, high concept, really ridiculous, but taken really seriously. Yeah, it's it's got a bit of a kind of teen wolf. Yeah. To totally. it. it's, it's like a, a nasty teen wolf. Yeah, teen wolf with bite, I say. He's, yeah. Uh, you'll, you won't want to play basketball with him because he'll probably rip your face off. So how did you <laughs> how did you find out about Sinecu? Uh We we were just researching actually. We like I said, we already had the script and the trailer, and uh, as one does when they have those materials, we just went online and started saying, you know, what grants can we apply for? What rich people can we go show up at their house and try and get money? <laughs> and uh, while we were doing our googling, uh, someone came across Sinecu. And uh, we read the requirements, and we're like, oh, my God, they want a trailer. We're, we just finished cutting our trailer. We have to enter. You know, no-brainer. Yeah, it's a, it's a great idea that Cinecu will give a million dollars to one film, and all yep. you need to start off is your trailer. Yeah, you, uh, I can't imagine if we didn't have the trailer, because it's been so much work. Uh, if we didn't have that trailer, I, I can't imagine what other teams are going through who had to shoot their trailer just for this. It must have been crazy. Yeah. You, you made reference in one of the videos, though, to every other team having some kind of tax break. Yeah. Um, whereas you, you are one of the, you're the only team that, that doesn't have uh, those kind of tax breaks because of the geographical location that you're from. Is that right? That's very true. I live in Saskatchewan and, uh, uh, for some reason, short-sighted reason, the uh, Saskatchewan government eliminated our provincial tax credit uh, last year, and it's really thrown our whole uh, film scene and television scene into a bit of a disarray. We've probably lost half of our, our filmmakers from the province. They've already moved. And the other half who are here, like myself, are feeling a little foolish. Uh, I can't see me living here too much longer if, uh, if we can't you know, find a way to make movies here. That's, that's ridiculous. But then maybe if you win Cineku, then you can bring that uh, wider platform and they will rethink it. I, You know, I really hope they do. That would be like the dream uh, movie ending is if they said, well, clearly there's a lot of talent here. We need to find a way to support them. But I'm already bracing myself for the possibility that, you know, if we get lucky enough to win with Wolf Cop, 
it would be it would be sad to me to have to go elsewhere, but I I mean I'm not gonna make the movie just because our government won't support it. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so I mean obviously this has been quite a it's, it's quite an interesting competition in a lot of respects. It takes place over how long has it been that it's been running now? Uh, I feel it feels like at least five years. <laughs> Maybe. Ah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I think it's only been like three or four months, but sure. yeah, it's definitely all-consuming. Uh, it's, it's like a political campaign, yeah. Sure. It, um, it really is like a political campaign because every week, Cineku give you a new challenge. Yeah. That you have to... Do, do they just spring that on you just that week and say this is what you have to do in the next seven days? Yeah, that's exactly it. There's no, uh, there's no prep time. Basically... Each week, you know how we put out a new mission video? Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, the way it is for, I guess, fans or people following the site. They may say, oh, Monday, I get to see the new video. But uh, literally the same moment that that video goes to the public, we are given our next Mission Impossible style assignment. So uh, it's the exact same moment. We have about six days to come up with an idea, shoot it, edit it, and get it online. Sure. That's that's shocking, but it, it does show the, the kind of the the artistry within the films yeah it's crazy and it's so fun too uh it's really weird uh because you have your head down the whole week and you're just working on it and it's so fun to see what other people come up with so you could have been working on one and had it nearly edited and ready to go up and then find out oh sorry you didn't make the cut you know yeah that's exactly right like for example we are cutting our 11th uh, I believe mission video as we speak. I'm I'm actually just finished editing uh, it. I'm still editing it, and then uh, for all I know, you know, Wolf Cop could not be in the top five come come Monday. So we've edited a video not for nothing. It'll be a nice nice closure, I guess. But uh, it's true. You never know. You keep working, and, and you find out on the Monday. So what is the theme of the eleventh? Uh, what's the theme of the eleventh video, though? The uh, the theme is. Uh, Basically, it's like a graduation, it's closure, it's a, it's a final word on the Sinaku experience. So I'm curious to see what the other teams have done, but from our perspective, we took a pretty unique, uh, I think, unique look on reflecting on our time in Sinaku. I won't say anything, but uh, it's amusing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's playful. Well, you've, you've taken quite an amusing take on every other mission that's been given. We've tried to, yeah. To, we kind of came up with uh, our strategy early on was, uh, you know, it's one thing to have a mission. We don't just want to tell, you know, head and shoulders interview style shot. We thought, let's always find a story within a story for each mission. Yeah. Sure. Which was the most fun of the missions to do? I'll tell you, my favorite mission, and I'm surprised we didn't get a better response, was spinoff. That was hands down my favorite. We went I, so hard. I felt the same. I really liked that one, I have to say. <laughs> Thank you. We worked our butts off on that one. We had people designing toys, video games. We were just, we were, we never worked harder, I'd say. And I was never more sure that it'd be like the best response. And then it didn't really get a huge response. It was like, what the hell? No one wants toys and comics and video games? Everybody wants toys and comics and video games, though. I think, yeah. you, I think, as a viewer, you don't actually think about the, the amount of effort that it takes to have like a Mortal Kombat-style fighting game featuring your character. The effort that it takes to get somebody to draw draw a Wolf Cop-style um, yeah. comic book and then to have a, a rendered toy. Uh, you, you don't necessarily think of that, but I really loved that one. That was really good, really great. Thanks. 
I'm not trying to make you guys say you liked it. I'm just saying we were. That was that cool. Was no, I was, I was wanting a wolf cup cookie after that. <laughs> I have to say. Oh, they were really good. Not to rub <laughs> it in. Cookies were good. So is that, is that really your mum? Uh, no, that was an actor playing my mom. Ah, uh, right. Okay. And it's funny, my own mom uh, was not pleased when she found out about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, not only did you not cast me, but you yelled at your own mother. People are going to think you're an asshole. I'm like, oh, it's just funny. So, did, did you ask her, or did you just think she won't do it? No, I just thought it would be more fun to uh, to get an actor, because I, I knew the actor. Her name's Jerry, and uh, I'd worked with her before, and she's just so sweet. I thought... It'd be just really funny to just yell at the sweetest woman ever in this video. <laughs> yeah, Fifty Shades of Wolf Cop as well. Yeah. was excellent. Very good. Um, and the, the other one was Speechless, of course. Which yeah, that was a hard one. Probably when that, took a lot of time. Yeah, we were very nervous when we got that one because you had to shoot a scene from your movie, you know? And uh, maybe, I don't know if some teams already had footage and they just recut it, but for us, our trailer was very bare bones, like, we shot only what you see basically in the Wolfcock trailer. So we knew we had to shoot something new and and we needed it to look cinematic. And it was really, it's it's hard. It's hard to shoot a whole scene, you know, on a movie or, or with a short film. You can spend a month planning it and pulling together your actors and your crew. And to know you have to upload it by Sunday is a scary thing. Not everybody did actually do their speechless. So, no. And the... The annoying thing was the one that stuck out the most for me is not being speechless was uh, somebody trying to sneak past a security guard. Okay. <laughs> That's a scenario where you want to be speechless. <laughs> and yeah, he was should... talking. Okay, I don't know that one. Yeah, I can't remember which one that was, but there was there were quite a few that really stuck out, and then there were some that I just kept thinking, how's that still in? Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot. Uh, I I mean, there's a few that aren't still in it that I'm a little sad about because I like them. But on the other hand, I'm happy they're not in it because they would have been tough competition, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the top 10, I think all the projects in the top 10, in my opinion, are strong projects. And I think it's, it's just going to kind of come down to what do they want in theaters? You know, what project is the most theater project? Because to me, they should all be made. They're all they all look like interesting films. I did actually say to Cineco at one point that if the top five featured Wolf Cop and Jillian's Just Right, if they came top, would there no, not be any way that they could just make both of them? Yeah. And they well, said, I... give us give us a million dollars and we'll do that. Do you have a million kicking around? Sadly, no. I had a look down the back of the couch, but I could only oh. get 750000 so they said well, those no. those are some great couches. Uh, if only. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, what's uh what's next in the the whole Wolf Cop thing? Like if you know, heaven forbid you don't get through, are you still going to just keep pushing and make sure that this this film does appear? But I hope so. I really want it. like I mean I, I have no intention of letting up and uh like I said, Wolf Cop existed before Sinaku and I hope Sinaku is our happy ending, but you never know, and uh, they have Cineku has optioned the uh, film for the next year, so I think they have every intention of making it and bringing it to life. I oh. hope we do it. I hope we get theatrical, and if not, I, I mean, we've put in so much work as a team and as a community. I can't see us just saying, oh, you know, throw up our arms and say, we tried. I think we'll say, how do we do it now? What's the next step? 
Yeah, I think that that's one thing that I've noticed since we started doing this podcast is a lot of the most interesting films that we've seen have actually been coming out of Canada. Yeah, that's weird. I, I kind of, I see what you're saying. I think Canada's starting to get better, you know? For the longest time, we didn't really do much, and we were kind of always, you know, in the shadow of the States, but now that it's so cheap to make movies, I think you're seeing some really weird stuff. Yeah, it's like we're, we're both really big fans of Astron 6. Yes. And they've just started an Indiegogo to yeah, make their next film, yep. That looks, yeah. looks good. I think those guys are really talented, and they market the hell out of their stuff, like, I follow uh, Manborg on, you know, Twitter and everything, and Biocop. Yeah, and yeah. It's yeah. just, like, every day they put out something new, and they're, like, masters of engaging their audience, you know? Yeah, they're, they're really, really good at that. It's the sort of thing, even though Manborg's out, in yeah. two years' time, that account will still be sending out messages. Exactly. Most movies would just, you know, as soon as it's out, they're like, you know, that's it. That's all we're doing. Yeah, and Wolf Cop's the same as well, it, it tweets quite a lot and good on on Facebook and stuff. And I think that's one of the most important things in the in the Cineco competition is the interactivity, and that's that's one thing that really draws a lot of people to the films. I think. Well, yeah. Right when we started, we were like thinking we need to find a social media person, and uh, you know, because we we're all newbies and we don't really know what we're doing, but. After a while, we just kind of collectively all took turns being involved in Facebook and Twitter, and uh, it's weird. It's addictive. You, I, I almost like it's weird for me to go a day without talking to people on Facebook and Twitter. It's often me interacting, and you actually feel like you know, there you want to talk to them. It's not. It doesn't, doesn't feel like a job, right? It feels like yeah. you're talking to your friends about Wolf Cop. Yeah, and that's that's uh, maybe one of the reasons why I did that that video like the, the recut thing from the, the trailer and the speechless thing, the Hungry Like yeah, the Wolf awesome. one. I love that. I, it, that's that's what blows me away is that people are, you know, that gets me more excited than anything because it's like people are taking ownership over Wolf Cop, which is when you go from having an idea in your brain like two years ago when it doesn't exist to anybody but you, it's really fun. Yeah, because if the film doesn't get made, I, I will be really upset and I will swim to Canada. <laughs> vengeance. Yeah, please do. You can put a gun to my head if we don't make it. <laughs> I couldn't do that. I'm too good a <laughs> shot. <laughs> good to know. Very cool. Um, so I, I don't know. Do you, would you like to talk more about like your general horror interests, Lol, at all, or who who are your kind of influences? Uh, I love probably uh the cliches of. I love Romero. I'm a huge. There's no doctor. cliches here. No cliches here. <laughs> I love. Uh, I love Romero. I love zombie movies. Uh, my first movie was a zombie movie, kind of Thirteen Eerie, and uh, I'm just obsessed with the undead. And and I one one of my first feature scripts I wrote, which is still in development, trying to get made, is a zombie film. So I know now zombies are everywhere. But uh, you know that's the worst thing about making movies is everything takes so long. Like I. I wrote the first draft of my zombie script probably in 2007, 2006, seven, and uh, just wait, waiting patiently to get it made. So I love Romero. I love my biggest influence is probably Sam Raimi. He's like, you know, a huge role model for me. Yeah, and he, he was uh, very indie as well when he started. So. Oh yeah, I think they shot. Didn't they shoot Evil Dead in his uh, high school gymnasium? 
they did uh, Into the Woods, the the half hour short half hour. version okay. that that you can still you can actually find online, even though I've never actually had an official copy of it. It is kicking about. I saw I saw it online somewhere, but it was a really horrible transfer. It was like unwatchably bad. Yeah, I I think maybe one day he'll bring out an Ultimate Evil Dead collection where it will have been fixed, but for now, just horrible transfers that we have to put up with. Well, they put out a new Evil Dead every year, it seems like, on a DVD or Blu-ray, so I'm sure one time they'll put it out. Yeah, I don't have a big enough shelf to buy them all. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. But, yeah, uh, speaking of, like, Evil Dead and stuff like that, like, when you were growing up, what were the, the films that made you go, horrors, the thing? You know, well, obviously the thing would be one of them, probably, because... <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I I didn't really come to horror until later. In When my childhood, it was more superhero movies, and uh, I think probably one of my first experiences with horror was... Uh, hilariously do you remember the movie sleepaway camp oh yeah yeah that messed me up i remember watching that and like uh you know there i i don't know if it's the first or the second scene or movie but uh uh she's going around killing people and she buries someone up to their neck in uh in dirt and then she runs over them with a lawnmower yeah that, that is beautiful i love that <laughs> it taunted me and uh and freddie i i watched all i was pretty young like eight or nine i remember watching all the nightmare on elm streets and like two or three days stretched, so that messed me up. Yeah, and, I was the same. I was the same. Chucky and uh, Freddy, Chucky. for me, my God. I saw those when I was like 10, and man, that's a terrible time to see Chucky or <laughs> Freddy. Yeah, you're just still believing in, uh, you know, fantasy, not enough to be messed up by it. Yeah, but enough, to, right. enough to be just petrified by stuff. Interestingly enough, we're actually talking about a superhero film this week. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's All Superheroes Must Die. I have heard of it. That's a really indie one, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw the trailer. I liked it. It seemed like a cool idea. I remember every time I see something like that, I'm like, damn it, why don't I just go take a camera and do something? Because you can do a movie at a low budget level and get just great exposure now. Do you know, man, this... I've I've actually just watched maybe ten minutes of this now, just in the terms of waiting for the interview and stuff. Um, yeah. It looks absolutely great. It looks really really good, Gal. You've you've seen it yourself. What, yeah, what you I've, think? I've watched it all. I really liked the fact that I can't remember the actor's name, but he played Alex Summers in uh, X Men First Class. Ah, right. Okay. He's uh, he's one of the he's not the leader of the superheroes. Uh huh. And yeah, the, yeah. the leader of the superheroes is the guy that wrote and yeah, directed right. the film, sure. I think. But I like okay. it. It's the guy Jason Trost. Yep. Um, but yeah, I just thought I'd bring that up since you mentioned it. But yeah, it's pretty pretty cool uh, by the looks of it. Uh, it's, it's quite enjoyable. Yeah, I love uh, I love superhero films, actually. And to me, Wolf Cop is a bit of a superhero. Yeah. It looks like that in the, the cartoon version yeah. you did. Yeah. That that That's would be good. Shark. That's us jumping the shark a bit. Wolf Cop is a Saturday morning cartoon. I had to put a little blood on him because I was like, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to neuter him too much. He'd still be killing. Yeah, but he used to have a red, slightly red beard. <laughs> yeah, two, and never address it. Two slightly related points. I don't know if you've have you ever seen the Toxic Avenger cartoon? Yeah. Uh, no, not the cartoon. That? 
No, I didn't see the cartoon ever. They're, they made a cartoon in the early 90s called The Toxic Crusaders. So weird. <laughs> They're now all on YouTube, actually. Yeah, they are, they are. Um, and the second point I was going to make was somebody made a fake tra- a fake intro for Watchmen as mm-hmm. a sat- Saturday morning cartoon series. Oh, I saw that one. I saw that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah so that's awesome. Uh, yeah, but yeah, dark random. material. Yeah, random. So, who's your, who's your, who would be your favorite superhero then? Or uh, I, I honestly love the big granddaddy. I love Superman, and uh, I feel like for the longest time, I feel bad that he never gets well represented. I always feel like the the nerd who's like defending Superman. Everyone's like he's boring. No one likes him. And I'm hoping that uh, Zack Snyder's Superman makes people realize just how damn cool it is if you could do everything and fly and kick ass. Yeah, Zack Snyder's a, a strange character because there seems to be an idea that people don't like Zack Snyder films. And then yeah. you you look at the list of the films and you think, well, apart from the fact that they missed out a few things, Watchmen is a is that's the closest we're going to get of Watchmen. Yeah. When 300 first came out, everybody was raving about it. But yeah. he just seems to be a... He's, he's almost like a comic book character himself, where people just go, oh, Zack Snyder, I hate that guy. <laughs> he's hit and miss for me, especially. Like, uh, I love his Dawn of the Dead. And uh, I, uh, you know, I thought Watchmen was good, but arguably too faithful. And I didn't love 300. I thought it was fun, but that's about it. And Sucker Punch, Sucker I Punch like. can go and fuck like. itself pretty much. Yeah. I watched it when I found out he was... Uh, he got the Superman gig. I was like, oh, I should I should brush up on Zack Snyder because I really want to see Superman be good. And I turned it off. I didn't even finish it. So you don't want to. <laughs> I'm hoping with the right story, he can he can pull it off. Yeah, the, I think the the problem with his entire IMDb page is as you as you look at it from the bottom up. Yeah. Everything that he's done is somebody else's property, and it's it's been done either quite well or really well then you get to sucker punch which is yeah. his <laughs> and you well go, that makes a good point maybe he should stick to other people's stuff yeah he's a good interpreter I, yeah i wouldn't trust him to to bake me a cake <laughs> yeah so is Lowell dean gonna be up for the aquaman job do we think oh god i would hate that job because <laughs> i wouldn't want to turn it down but i'd be afraid because i know you couldn't make it cool i mean maybe you could if you go like, you know, the Justice League animated series way where you give him a beard and take away one of his hands and just make him angry. That just sounds yeah. like Buster Bluth then. Yeah, exactly. Well, Buster Bluth, who, who's more dangerous than that, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I would Aquaman wouldn't be my first choice, but uh, I do. I just there's something about superhero films. I know they've oversaturated the market now, but I just love the, the whole hero journey, you know, and I think I'm sick of origin movies, but uh if you can find a fun way to do it, it could still be great. So we're going to get a really good hero journey in Wolf Cop then? Oh yeah, I think so. I mean, here's a funny thing for you. I uh, I actually wrote Wolf... I started writing Wolf Cop 2 before I wrote Wolf Cop, just because I hate origin stories so much. <laughs> he looks a little bit like Wolverine. Yeah, I, I love when people compare them because I, uh, I wanted him to be badass. And uh, who's more badass than Wolverine, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, except this is uh, like I said, we thought our horror roots will keep will always be showing. So, you know how in a, you watch a Wolverine movie and 
and you're like, come on, you've got those claws, and I have not seen one drop of blood or anybody get hurt. Yeah. Uh, it won't be like that. Wolf Cop won't be fighting robots. Wolf Cop will be fighting people, and they will suffer the consequences. Yeah. Excellent. I think one of the great things about the, the Thor movie, for example, was that it basically just throws you into it. There's no yeah. origin story whatsoever. It's just like, heals a god, heals his brother, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's. I think that could be. You can still do an origin story. You need to find a, a unique approach to the material now, I think. People are bored of knowing that, you know, yeah. oh, he's going to do this, then that, then that, then fight the boss and survive. Yeah, it's, it's just becoming a bit too formulaic. Yeah, it's oversaturated. As I suppose maybe what we really just need is for one of them to die. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. I think we're close. I think in the next five years they'll 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 do like the comics. You know, they'll realize they need to hype it now, and you know, by Superman three they'll have them fight Doomsday and get killed. I still have an unopened original copy of the Death of Superman. Is that worth anything now? Uh, not since they brought him back. Yeah. yeah. The, the day they brought him back, it just died as far as price was going. I know. I remember thinking, uh, oh, maybe this will be worth something too when I got it. But uh, I knew, you know, it's just so, it got so gimmicky. They killed one or two people. Like when they killed Robin, I remember being like, oh, this is, you know, actually going to be finite. But then it's like nothing in comics. It's like soap operas. Yeah. Dies and they bring him back in a week. I have all four issues of Death in the Family as well, individual. Cool. That was a really dark storyline. It was. You get to meet his mom. You find out that his mom's a traitor, and then he dies. Yeah. I know. It's funny when you think about that. You you know, you picture, like, kids reading comics, like, eight and nine, and, you know, just adorable children. And I just flash back, like, when I was, like, seven or eight, just sitting there reading a comic where Joker, like, viciously beats Robin to death with a crowbar. It's like, <laughs> that, that might explain Wolf Cop. I think that's why my favorite is the killing joke. Yeah, well, that's that, again, that's that's just twisted, dark, horrible material. You know, it's not for kids. Yeah, and that's Alan Moore all over, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Well, as yeah. um, I was going to say, uh, would you like to tell our listeners how they can go about voting for you on the Cineku website? Sure. Yeah, uh, it's. Uh, I'm sure you guys have talked about it, but you just go to cineku.com and join. It's very easy through Facebook. And uh, once you've joined, you start accumulating votes by doing fan missions, like watching and rating and sharing people's videos. And then you uh, hopefully get enough votes and earn them and use them between now and June 2nd and use them all, hopefully, for Wolf Cop. Or you can give a couple to someone else if you're feeling really generous. But uh, let's bring Wolf Cop into the top five. Who would you pick if you couldn't vote for Wolf Cop? I don't know. That's a tough one. I, I don't know who I'd pick. Uh, I like a lot of the teams in the top uh the top 10 and uh, personal favorites. I, I really admire the uprising guys for what they've pulled off because at, when I was like their age, I was making horrible stuff. So they're kicking ass and uh, grade nine, you know, they're just really classy. Everything they do. I'm like every week I'm impressed with them more and more. So I like all the teams, but I'd say those two, I feel uh, I've just been following their campaign a little closer. Is that why you were more vicious? <laughs> yeah, it kind of was because the other teams, I don't want to be too vicious to people I don't. I haven't had any communication with, really, beyond. And not that I'm friends with Grade 9 and Uprising, but I feel like I've commented on their stuff enough and told them enough how much I admire them that I'm not worried about hurting their feelings too much. Yeah. Well, uh, everybody should hopefully go and check out all the missions and then 
still go, yeah, Wolf Cop's the best. Yeah, let's do it. Let's bring it to theaters and beyond and, and overseas. Yep, and when you're in Glasgow, we'll have a big party. Hey, I, I would love nothing more. Excellent. Well, it's it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for talking to comic books and uh, werewolves. Not a problem. Absolutely, and thanks for joining us. Uh, great. So, Vodin uh, from Wolf Cop. Thank you. The definition of podcast. A multimedia digital file made available on the internet for downloading to a portable media player, computer, etc. Horror podcast. A multimedia digital file featuring horror-related news and movie reviews that is available on the internet for downloading to a portable media player, computer, etc. Awesome horror podcast. Any multimedia digital files that are available from the Horophilia Network of Podcasts via Horophilia.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and other outlets that you can download to your portable media player, smartphone, computer, etc. The Horophilia Network of Podcasts currently feature nine different podcasts such as Horophilia, Much of Madness, More of Sin, Dolls of Despair, Horophilia Recommends, Zombies Don't Podcast, Horror Hits, and many more. For more information, check out Horophilia.com and click on the tabs labeled Horophilia Network of Podcasts or the Podcast Index. We're looking forward to have you as part of the flock. Okay, guys, and we're back to discuss um, All Superheroes Must Die. You, um, you sound like you've gone downhill a bit in the last minute. Ah, uh, yeah. We're actually recording this on Saturday morning, so um, I'm feeling a wee bit worse for wear. Um, so my apologies for that, guys. But we're only doing two films uh, this week, but we do have our Wolf Cop uh, interview that they've just heard. That you've just heard, and you yep. know that. <laughs> yep, I know that. So yeah, <laughs> sorry. Um, so this uh, this film is All Superheroes Must Die, uh, directed and written by Jason Trost. Um, for for as long as I remember seeing the kind of hype for this, it was verses, and other posters only referred to it as verses. Yeah, it, verses seems to be an alternate title that I've never seen being used anywhere, uh-huh, but. Uh-huh. But some websites that you go on to it is still called Versus and then uh-huh. just completely uh, Versus is ignored from it. Uh-huh. It just I think, says I think, all superheroes must die. Yep. They, to cha- I'm sure they to ch- changed the name pretty much at the last minute. It had been going around the, the kind of festival circuits as that mm-hmm. um, and then uh, changed the name. Right, to be honest, I prefer the name all superheroes must die anyway. I think, it's, I think it kind of suits it. Suits what it is. So yeah, it's uh, four superheroes find themselves abducted by their arch nemesis and are forced to compete in a series of challenges in order to save an abandoned town full of kidnapped innocent civilians. Now, this stars uh, Jason Trost, who wrote and directed it as Charge, um, Lucas Till from, as Gil was mentioning, X-Men First Class, as Cut Through It, Um, James Remar as Rickshaw, who is the the kind of Joker-esque uh, big bad in this film. Yeah, he's really good. He's very good. Uh, Sophie Merkley, who I thought was excellent as well, as Shadow. Um, I kept thinking that I recognised her from something. Do you know, I felt the same, girl, but I, I couldn't see anything on her IMDb page that I recognised. Yeah, I was the same. Yeah. Um, Lee Valmasi plays The Wall. Um, so the three, the four main characters are Shadow, The Wall, Charge, and Cut Through It, um, and then we've also got two kind of, two kind of subvillains. Yes, yeah, sub subvillains type comic book characters. Um, one's a kind of Uncle Sam 
uh, type cannibalistic maniac portrayed by Sean Whelan. Uh, from he's Lost. Manpower. Frogret from Lost and also from the film that we saw last year, uh, People Under the Stairs. Yep. Yeah, so, um, and Nick Princip as Sledge saw, and he kind of reminded me of, uh, was it Balrock? Is it Balrock? Bal- the... Balrog? No, no Balrock the... was Lord of the Rings. Uh... Uh-huh. Balrock the Leaper, I believe it is, um, who's, I, can esp- I think it's a Spider-Man uh, baddie, who's a, a, Fren- a Frenchman and who's a, a gymnast. Uh, I'm sure Mark will be able to, to yeah, correct us on that one. I never uh, really read a lot of uh, Spider-Man, to be honest. That's cool, man. So that, that, remind, that brought that to mind anyway. Um, the comics I, aren't as good as the 1970s movies. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because he's so transparent on walls. So it's a relatively small cast. Uh, and there's also Brian Taylor plays Man. Yep. So and a lot of people double up as well. When there's hostages... And stuff like all the hostages are all played by the same people, and Is the that guy, correct? yeah, and the guy wow. that plays, uh, oh, what was his name, the Wall? Uh-huh. He is one of the hostages as well. There you go, wow, that's cool. Um, Double so the box. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is it's a strange film. I mean, the way that it's it's got quite a good cast. Like the, the way we were discussing it earlier on with. Uh, guys that made Wolf Cop was as if it was quite low budget, but I think it must have had some kind of budget to, to attract the kind of stars that are in it, right? I'm, I'm sure I read a million, actually. Sure. So Last I mean, night when I was I was looking it up, because I thought, oh, it's been a few days since I watched that, I'm, I'm sure I saw a million. Yep. So basically, the, the, the our heroes wake up, um, each of them has been... Uh, wake, wakes up in this town that's completely unfamiliar to them um, they don't know where they are, they're disorientated and they look at their wrists and they can see that there's been some kind of incision uh, being made into their wrist Now I don't know if it's some kind of injection that they've been given or I don't know what they said in it um, but I don't think the thing... they ever actually covered what that was Sure, I sure. they just left that as a, a nice little mystery you, oh, don't, so they... you don't need to know well, they, well, they do mention that that was to take away their powers. Yep. Um. So the I, I probably shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, I'll not go into any more detail there. But anyway, the, the oh, we we will end up talking about that though because it's one of the mm. things that that makes the that kind of gives the film that extra bit of interest is because yeah. it is for people that are superheroes the you're not aware of, you don't know what sort of exploits they've got up to, you've got no sure. origin stories for them. You don't even really know what their powers are apart from charge can obviously run <laughs> things, he charges at stuff and obviously the wall is kind of undefeatable, steadfast type character. I think charge is actually, charge is Jason Trost's character, so he's just super strong. Yeah, uh, it's it's cut through it. Who is uh, particularly fast? No, I mean like he charges at things. You know, like his right. his uh, his method of attack is uh-huh. like I will just ah uh-huh, sure barrel into you. Sure, yeah, but but he doesn't actually ah uh, uh, yeah yeah. But when they've not got their powers, 
you know, it's it makes it more interesting to to watch them having to come to terms with not having any abilities. Yep. Particularly so, the wall. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh, sure. So I mean, this is a a very grounded superhero film in the style of I mean, not in the style of the Watchmen, but certainly in the tradition of that. Um, because we've got this, we've got uh, the tensions within the group that are played up really well, in my opinion, throughout the film. Yeah. Um, and the kind of backstories that, that intertwine and the relationships that, that flow all the way through um, and, and actually play out in the film rather than just in the flashbacks, I thought was really well done. I don't know what you thought. I've, I've, I really enjoyed this film. It's only, what, 77 minutes? Yeah. And that yeah. includes the titles. So, yep. Well, sorry, the credits. So Sure. You know, for a for a nice, short, concise film, it just does what it has to do and then gets out of there, which I really enjoyed. You know, there yep. was there was no, oh, this bit's gone on too long. That never happens. At no point do you kind of sit going, oh, hurry up and move on to the next thing. Sure. But yeah, in the the town that they've been kept in, there's 100 hostages as well. Yep. I always like that when a supervillain puts real people at risk in front of a superhero. It's actually a little bit like the the killing joke in that yeah, way, because in the killing joke, Batman's taunted by the Joker by having people that he loves and cares about in front of him. And even though it's just two people, I suppose... When you've got a hundred strangers, that's just as much of a challenge, kind of thing. Should, should say that each of the uh, each segment in the film is split into rounds, um, or they're they're referred to as rounds. Where each of the where the superheroes find themselves in a situation where they need to make a decision um, that is a life or death decision that will then, if they try to forfeit the the task if they decide to try and run away to try to save the hostages if they try to do anything other than they're being told to do the hostages will die anyway um so we're, we're in that kind of position where the the characters are very much uh, being forced to go through and in the style of things like saw and and, and that kind of thing and the crystal um, maze and the crystal maze yeah <laughs> get the crystal yeah, that's that's what's killing. It's like a cross between saw, saw, the crystal maze, and Running Man. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I I really like this one. I have to say, as much as it's get terrible reviews, I think uh, I really dug it. I have to say, I enjoyed it all the way through. I thought the acting was really good. The dialogue was was acceptable, and uh, I I really dug it. Yeah, I I think that the the reason it's maybe got bad reviews is that people go into it expecting a superhero movie. Sure. So as soon as the superheroes are you know, sans powers, then people go, oh, they're, they're just like average people. And it then becomes a story about people, but that's where it's meant to be. Yeah, because it kind of straddles that line between horror and sci-fi and... Um and the kind of action-adventure superhero-type film, and I think it just works really well. Um, for, for what it is, I think it works great. And there's, I was just seeing on Jason Trost's Facebook today that he's actually planning to, to work on a super, All Superheroes Must Die 2. Nice. Um, so, 
yeah, I mean the characters are great. I really enjoyed them, so I think it's uh, it'd be cool to to see how that goes. And Jason Trost wrote the film, directed it, starred in it, wrote the theme tune, sang the th- the theme tune, which is generally a bad sign. But in this case, it was it was really good. Yep, I I really enjoyed it. I didn't actually realize until the very end that he had done all these things. Uh huh. Because the credits don't take a lot of time. Because it's sure. A, it's a very small group of people that have made this film, but sure. I think they've done a really good job. I really like the the explosions and the flamethrower. That was yep, yep, and that's uh, that's obviously Sean Whalen playing kind of deranged psychopath, and that was that was really cool. Just a uh, very typical uh, Froger behaviour. He's a creepy looking guy. He is quite an odd looking character, isn't he? Yeah, I thought it'd be really. <coughs> that was really cool. Um, just trying to think what other kind of interesting set pieces there were. There was loads. I mean, that's the the, the beauty of it is that the title verses does kind of suit it quite well because it is individual rounds where they're they're facing off either against themselves or against uh, against the time or against the uh, a villain. Yeah. So yeah, I th- I, th- I thought that worked, but yeah. But also, all superheroes must die. That uh-huh. that kind of that sets this whole film up. Yep. Because that's basically James Remar's character, who I can never remember the name of. Is this Rickshaw? Rickshaw. Yep. That's. What did you think of him? I I thought he was brilliant. Just yep. uh, just totally over the top all uh-huh. the time, and that's that's what a villain should be like. Sure. I thought it was a bit of a shame that there wasn't. He was always very distant from them because, like Saw and stuff like that, all uh-huh. his challenges are put to them across a television screen uh-huh. and they've got no idea where he is. I thought it would have been nice since he's obviously like their nemesis to have seen a little bit more yeah. between them. I, I just like the fact that he's already tried all these things before. He's tried... Uh, to face off with them, and he's failed every time. He's he's been uh, he's been uh, defeated every time that he's tried. So he's basically rigged the game yeah. so that he will win, and so that they will lose. There's no way that they can win, or or is there? <laughs> or is there? And that's the premise. So yeah, I I just I just really enjoyed watching this. Uh, I was actually going to watch it again this morning, but I, I thought. No, better off to get everything edited together. Yep. Because <laughs> I'm conscientious like that. You're very conscientious. That's excellent. It's a very good quality um, <laughs> about you. Uh, <coughs> um, you don't do sarcasm well when you're ill. <laughs> no, I know. The way the uh, yeah, so the 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 way that this film shot is great as well because it goes between um, quite kind of shaky calm. Uh, shots and then it will go to your cctv cameras that are watching what what rickshaw is is seeing as well um and again it's it's quite claustrophobic in that sense they build up quite a good uh kind of desolation to the the town but you still know that there's these 100 civilians that are littered around about the town um and obviously one of them as uh one of them is related to i think it's uh cut through its sister yep it's one of them as well, so it's uh, yeah. It's, I really dug it. I really like a ghost town. 
it has to be said. That's I think that's why the Silent Hill films kind of disappoint me. Sure. You know, it's it's not they they haven't realised that particular ghost town very well. Yeah. Whereas this one is the sort of ghost town that I that I really like, where you know all over America and Canada there are places that that did used to have like several thousand people living there. Yeah. But then just one industry dies and the entire place just gets abandoned. So yep. there's full houses and shops and there'll be a hospital. You know, it, it's just uh, an entire community that has just done a bunk. Yep. There was a place down in Scotland, uh, down in the kind of south coast, where you can, uh, I think it's southwest of Scotland, where you can go and you can see um, this town that was built for a particular industry that was going to be moving into the area, and then it just never transpired. So there's this whole town that's just sitting there, and I think, I don't know whether they've sold it off or what, but, um, yeah. Is that down near Whithorn? I think it, I, I don't. I'm not sure. I can't remember offhand, man. Um, but I just remember reading about it on like abandoned Scotland or something like that. Ah, uh, there's there's lots of fascinating little places you can go and find yeah. all over the place. I really like it. So yeah, um, yeah. Let's so, go and squat. <laughs> do we do we recommend all superheroes must die, Gil? Yeah, I I do. I I really really recommend both of the films this week for sure. a bit of enjoyment. I mean, these are both ones that we've been looking forward to for quite a while as well, or certainly I've been looking forward to for quite a while, I don't know about you. Yeah, these are films that I think we first mentioned way back in January. Sure. But just never ever got around to, because, yep. you know, we had so many so many more important films to do first. <laughs> like... Well, this is it, absolutely. <laughs> as people will be able to tell when they listen to our previous ones. We're very, very good at prioritising. Um, so, yeah, uh, we should definitely try and get Jason Trost on, though. He's, I think he's done a great job with this and totally respect him for this. So it's a great piece of work, and we'll just check it out. Yep, indeed. Okay, so all that remains is for us to close out the show, Mr. Rokitansky. What do you think? Uh, I I think you're, you're probably right, Mr. Vacant. Sadly, it's a shorter than usual show, but you're ill. So. I'm not very real, wee pal. I'm not very uh, real. As, as people will be able to, to hear. Yep. One of the interesting facts about this week's show that people won't be able to pick up on, sorry, to pick up on as much in the edit is that the most common thing I had to edit out was this noise. That was that was it. Just you sniffing. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to put them all into some sort of song. <laughs> I'll just sample, just lots of you sniffing. Quite right. Quite right. But your nose isn't sounding as runny today. No. Oh, but also I did realise that uh, I totally forgot when you asked me what else I'd watched this week. Uh-huh. The reason why I haven't had much time to watch a lot of stuff is I have watched the new series of Arrested Development three times. Ah, there you go. Yeah, you're a big fan of that, aren't you? Yeah, it's I I really really like the new series. Slight... How's it How's it compare to the TV series? Well, it's a it's a different format because it is all basically leading up to what will be the film. So they kind of separate the characters out and show you what they've been up to in the interim. So uh, you know, it's 
it's different. It's got, <clears throat> but it's got a lot of complaints from some people. Going, oh, I don't like the change in format, and why is it not the exact same as the old show? But I think if it had been the exact same, then people would complain that it hadn't moved on. You know, I, I think it's it's taken a a different look at the family, and that's that's nice. That's cool. So is the film, is that a Netflix original as well, or is that being financed elsewhere? Uh, I I think the film's plan is to actually be a theatrical release, but I don't know whether Netflix will be financing that. We'll just have very to Very interesting. See. Cool. Very interesting. Okay. Well, thank you very much for listening, and thank you to Lil Dean for coming on the show and talking about Wolf Cop. If you get a chance, check out the mission trailers on uh, com Or Cinecoop, <laughs> as I like to call it. Yep. Um, and you can, by doing those those missions and, and watching the videos, you can then get votes to, uh, to, to, to vote for Wolf Cop and to help it succeed in becoming a, a motion picture. Yeah, and, and check out the T-shirts as well. I really like the T-shirts, particularly the white one. The white t-shirt just looks really cool. Cool, man, cool. So, uh, we'll be back next week to discuss, is it the found footage genre next week? Yes, next week uh, we're doing Wreck. Oh. And uh, two others. I don't remember offhand because we're doing it over two weeks. Uh, Last broadcast. Oh, yeah, wow, great. Next week. And Real Evil. Ah, fantastic. When we will hopefully have the writer, Shane Bitterling, on to talk to us about that. Very good. Star-studded as always. He'll be telling us, uh, hopefully, about the death threats that they've had. Really? Yep. My goodness. Well, stay tuned for that, and uh, we'll see you all next week. See you next week, poopies. Bye. Bye. Greetings, my friend. Disappear.